This Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by Trusted Computing Group. Through open standards and specifications, Trusted Computing Group enabled secure computing. Through its member-driven workgroups, Trusted Computing Group enables the benefits of trust in computing devices from mobile to embedded systems, as well as networks, storage, infrastructure, and cloud security. More than a billion devices include TCG technologies. Check them out at trustedcomputinggroup.org. Hello and welcome to the Security Ledger Podcast. I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. In this episode of the podcast number 224. The cyber attack and rising gas prices have put more pressure on President Biden to take action, and he has issued a new executive order to help protect against future attacks. Senior White House correspondent Mary Bruce has that side of the story. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, George. Well, the president is trying to boost U.S. defenses against these kinds of attacks, signing this executive order that the White House says will create a standardized playbook for how to respond. President Joe Biden threw down the gauntlet last May in the form of a presidential executive order on cybersecurity. Issued amidst the fallout from the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack, the executive order laid out an aggressive schedule of big changes to federal IT, including identifying critical software in use by the federal government, verifying trust relationships between federal and private sector entities, and demanding that IT firms selling software and services to the federal government develop Software Bill of Materials, or SBOM. In an environment of rampant cyber attacks on federal and state agencies, porous networks, and vulnerable software and services, trust is a key concept in the executive order. In fact, the term appears more than 20 times in the text of the executive order alone. But it's a lot easier to invoke the concept of trust than it is to engineer it into IT systems. Alas, if the federal government is serious about achieving the goals laid out in the executive order, it will need to find a way to do just that. In the process of doing that, it will likely build upon some of the work of our guests this week. Hank Burkholz is a researcher at the Fraunhofer Institute for Secure Information Technology located in Germany and the co-chair of the Attestation Working Group at the Trusted Computing Group. He's joined by Thomas Harjona, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Connection Science and Technical Director of the MIT Trust Data Consortium at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He's also an invited expert at the Trusted Computing Group and a former co-chair of the TCG's Embedded Systems Working Group. To start off, I asked Thomas and Hank to reflect on some of the requirements in in President Biden's executive order and to talk about what they thought the most important elements of the executive order are. Thomas Harjono. My day job is uh, with the MIT Connection Science and Engineering. The role is the research director for uh, a number of projects there. In the TCG, I'm actually an invited uh, expert. Yeah, uh, my name is Henk Birkholz. I'm uh, located in Germany and I'm working here, amongst other things, for a a research institute uh, that is the Fraunhofer Institute for Secure Information Technology. Yeah, my day job is being a standards expert, I guess, here and uh, in the Trusted Computing Group, I'm chairing a working group that is called the Attestation Working Group, where everything revolves around trustworthiness somehow. And in the IETF, I am chairing the IoT Operations Working Group and the uh, um, Operations and Management Area Working Group. 
you're a busy man. That's only job one, WG and TCG. One of the things we wanted to talk about was the Biden administration's executive order on cybersecurity that came out uh, again uh, back in late May. Gosh, there was a lot of stuff packed into that, as is often the case, but um, there was some really important guidance in there, specifically around uh, issues like trust. I guess I'd start out with a high-level question. What do you think was the biggest takeaway from that particular announcement? I'm not a U.S. citizen, apparently, and and uh, I found it impressive that in the first paragraph, literally the wording was along the lines of, we have to have the capability to put trust in the trustworthiness and transparency, transparency of things. And that is, yes, exactly, yes. I was, I, was, I was really happy actually to read that. Of course, the motivation by this executive order was issued. Um, was a bad thing, of course. It was something happened. There was an incident, but um, I think, and that is, uh, I think, what I have to admit that the U.S. government is really good at is is taking action, like in this kind of emergency. The deadlines tell you that there are forty five days, sixty days. Result, result, result. There was uh, this is this was uh, put a lot of people scurrying and do hard work. Of course, this is also so fast that this is a process. So the the early results will. The, the evolve, but um, um, uh, some terminology was introduced or basically adopted that I like a lot, like secure interactions. And you want to have, make sure that your interaction with something is secure. So if you, how can I decide that that I want to interact with that remote peer? How is that as an audibility? How is that working? So that's in the EO. Um, the the the, the S bomb. The softer bill of material, which people are dancing around, and 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 it's only only partially always uh, um, covering the whole life cycle of a device or the whole supply chain. It's only only partial aspect like licensing, so vulnerability association, but but not always quite the whole thing. So that is in the EO. So people have now to talk with each other, and that's what standardization is all about. Uh, you have to make different people and different things understand each other and then build a solution that works and interact seamlessly and flawlessly to provide the result that the president uh, is hoping for, now actually um, commanding to have here. <laughs> the thing then that I was very happy to read there was this, this awareness on the part of the administration of the need for a you know joint uh public private uh, sector you know collaboration to get you know new technologies to new you know innovation out there and and also for the use of the you know just the federal government's procurement you know office right they, they, they've got such a big leverage and I thought that that's really the way we need to solve this because you know on the on the private sector side you know often uh, a lot of these companies particularly companies that uh, develop hardware, you know, the, their life cycle is quite, it's a long tail thing. It's, it's a very long sort of process, you know, to produce, you know, next generation hardware. And so often they need to have uh, uh, not just the market incentives, but you know, some kind of a roadmap where they can see that the federal government's got, you know, buy-in. So a, a good example, you know, back to the TPM case was, you know, uh, there was there was no mandate to use the TPM anywhere until at the uh, end of 2006, I believe, yeah, 2006, the U.S. Army, you know, just their own procurement office uh, mandated that, you know, henceforth any new purchases of, you know, laptops or desktops 
uh, what you know was required to have this TPM chip inside it, right? And so just overnight, it was a watershed. You know, overnight there was you know panic, <laughs> you know panic in a good sense on the part of the OEMs who are you know rushing to get this out. They you know suddenly I won't name names, but these OEMs are like oh we, you know we have to have this you know, chip built into our laptops and desktops within the next six months. And I'm hoping the same will happen with this executive order that, that you know, the Biden administration is saying to the industry, we get this, you know, and, and we've got advisors, people in NIST, people at NSA and so on. But it really needs a collaboration also with the private sector. Well, you kind of anticipated my next question, which was, you know, we we did see this earlier when the when the federal government started requiring TPMs and uh, desktops and laptops and servers and so on. Um, you know, obviously, the federal government is the single largest, you know, uh, acquirer of technology in the country. Um, what do you think the practical implications of this will be on the broader, you know, non-governmental, non-government contractor marketplace? That's an interesting challenge. Because uh, if you abstract things enough, like in a uh, ranking system here, uh, you typically break it. Um, that that yeah yeah. So so and we can't have this meaningless. So we really need these layers that abstract here to result in a star system that tells you hard facts that are actually processed, believable and then result in the stars. Typically, it's just a, a rule of the thumb or it's a very, very simplistic one method. Like you you burn something up, up in hot water with kilocalories and then you know how many kilocalories are in there. But you don't know how many fat and protein and, and other things are in there. So you don't really know how much of that you would actually gain weight from. So 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 how how expressive is this? So it's not uh, it's not just one dimension here. Maybe there are a few dimensions here that result in this level below the star system that that that, that uh, spectrum out here a little bit, and that is also I think indicating a very typical problem of trustworthiness assessment, um, the trustworthiness of my cell phone cell phone tower the trustworthiness of my remote internet service, the trustworthiness of my notebook or my microwave are very, very different things. And and still, we want to now uh, understand their claims. And now we TCG can help you that your microwave, sorry, or your cell phone tower or your remote service, banking service, does not lie to you. It's unable, unable to lie to you. provides you with a complete set of evidence Somehow obscured, of course, because banks sometimes don't want to tell everything what's in the workings there, but still enough to get trust. But now, how should I understand that? I'm not a banking person. And how, how should I make decisions here? I can't even select cookies that are legitimate interests, really. You know, so how should I make that decision? So that decision in our architectures we are building globally here needs a, um, a third party that you that takes on the burden of the appraisal and that I now instead put the trust into, and that's called our verifier. And, and these infrastructures to fuel these verifiers, that takes common effort and money and it's additional hardware. You have to think about the evidence you're creating on your, on your remote service as a commodity. You want this to produce. It has value. It is consumed by a verifier. And this additional infrastructure also costs money to maintain and to build. But the value you gain in the end and also provide to every customer out there and to the society effectively and to governments is outweighing the cost so hard that now this order and finally enables, I think, 
to, to cross that threshold of investment, to see the return of investment here, and then to actually build this interoperable infrastructure and supply chain entities now really, okay, endorsers for verifiers. So they, I can endorse my products and I have to believe, okay, I see now that's not so hard. Now people are reading the documents, people are getting into the problem. They understand the trust and trustworthiness, especially as a design characteristic is a value add and you can sell that. For, for, for the sake of humanity, so to speak, and also for money. <laughs> One of the things that I thought was really interesting in the executive order was this kind of um, call for a sort of energy star type label um, for the government. But again, as you said, possibly for, for consumers as well, so that buyers can tell whether the, the software in question was developed securely. And then also calls for, as you said, uh, Thomas, you know, kind of pu public-private collaboration on improving secure so software development and, and, I guess, evangelizing it. So I, I, I like that idea of an Energy Star type label. Um, does this redound to the benefit of a group like Trusted Computing um, or, uh, or not? Sure. I think the, uh, overall, this is a, a great idea. It's a great you know, intention, and it's good that the executive order is, is kind of leaving it now in the hands of the industry. So, like, you know, you guys figure it out. And and this is also that's something not new. So so I, I've been through this before. This is a few years ago. Remember when Wi-Fi was just, you know, uh, you know becoming co common, there was an industry alliance called the Wi-Fi Alliance, WFA, and they went through the same, you know, dilemma. So, you know, how do you communicate on a sticker on the back of a box to the consumer, you know, you know, Wi-Fi A, B, G, these these things don't mean anything. And what's you know, what's 802.11, you know, A, B, right? So so they went through the same process. And I believe, you know, the industry will have to go through at least a couple of iterations. But but you know, as um, you know, Hank correctly identified, this is going to be multidimensional. So so it could possibly be that in the future we see ratings for uh, you know, application areas of application. So here's you know home home consumer. You know kids you know doing homework on Zoom, right? Well, they don't really need the the highest security laptop, right? And maybe for good enough for home banking. Uh, here's another sort of range of products for uh, enterprise you know businesses. You know what do they need? And then you you go into well here's government and there's different levels in government of course, right? There's you know there's uh, you know all the way you know from you know, uh, government government offices all the way to DOD, all the way to you know battlefield, you know, kind of technology, right? And so, so I think this is a, this is a great thing, and I, I think the industry owes the United States, owes the world a good rating, and and also, you know, Paul, what's going to happen also is just like with cars, there'll be reviews out there, right? There'll be consumer report reviews with stars, and so in a sense, the market will give a check a balance on the vendors to say, well, like, don't be too dishonest because we're here to, to make sure, you know, that, that the, the star ratings are actually truthful. You're listening to the Security Ledger podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Trusted Computing Group. So let's talk about the group that you guys are both involved with, which is the attestation working group within TCG. First of all, describe like the mandate of that group. And also just kind of to Hank's earlier point, let's talk about this concept of attestation as separate from authentication and, and why that distinction actually matters a lot. 
The concept of attestation is to permit devices to truthfully report its internal status. So a device can range from anything from a simple sensor uh, all the way to you know a PC computer. Uh, that's a, a pretty complicated you know piece of uh, equipment. And so uh, uh, right now, what we have industry, what we have today in the market, uh, the ability for these devices to report its its status is fairly minimal. So maybe the closest thing that that is available today is actually around uh, network peripheral security. So when a client tries to join the network, there's there'll be the authentication server. And it's going to say, you know, t tell me, g give me a list of your applications and all your, you know, patches that you've you've applied, that you said you've applied. And so there's this, you know, the old whitelist, you know, blacklist, you know, application list thing that that many enterprises, you know, use today. But but attestation goes deeper because it really wants to know what is actually running right now in your system, what version, you know, of that um, piece of software. And software means everything from firmware all the way to the applications. And so that's the first aspect. The second aspect is how do you know that this device is reporting truthfully? Because if it has been compromised, there's malware. It could be that the malware is just, you know, intercepting all the honest reports uh, and, you know, changing them and then, you know, telling the user outside that, you know, everything's, you know, great and, and working fine, right? And so so this is what, you know, in simple language, this is what uh, attestation uh, is about. Of, of course, Thomas nailed this. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's with this group way longer than me and I really love working with him. And when I have a problem, I ask for advice sometimes. So, yeah, um, I, Perfectly put. I, I can add to that that um, yeah, uh, talking with each other is the and, and truthfully and honestly is is the basis for creating solutions that in the end will have transparent uh, trustworthiness. If you are talking past each other, you will make mistakes. It will not interoperate. It will simply fail. Worst case scenario, or it will be like you believe in something that you should not believe in, that you should not put trust into. So especially in supply chains, exposure of, of information has a difficult thing sometimes. You, uh, you might trust one supply chain entity that is relatively close to you, but further down the line, not so much sometimes. Also, you have to create a, uh, some evidence, believable endorsements about how things will be composed, but you're not doing that. Someone in the other part of the world is actually doing the final composition of your thing, and then it's sold in the US market. So no, I'm not going to guarantee that. So so there have to be solutions here. The trustworthy services that come with again, sorry for reiterating that little bit attestation working group terminology based technology and uh, sorry, like TPMs and 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 so so this then you, you can re-identify, you can assert trust and it, 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 it did that duty. So that is the attestation working group here bringing people together. Paul, what, what makes it complicated is that there's actually at least two layers of what is what you know what we want to you know measure as, as trustworthiness. So so you know there's there's uh, the supply chain s bomb you know um, you know bill of material you know kind of composition that needs to be reported you know along the supply chain. You know so so it's it's useful to you know distinguish just at a, at a granular level the supply chain that you have component builders. You have system builders, 
right? System builders are, you know, including OEMs. And then you have the operational users, just, you know, your enterprise IT guys, right? Which are, they have a nightmare of a job. I mean, I'd hate, I'd hate to be doing their job. And that's just to communicate information about the composition of the device, firmware, hardware, software, right? So, so that's one, you know, sort of uh, area of innovation that, you know, needs to be, you know, imp- you know addressed today. And this is why we have, you know, the supply, ch- uh, supply chain group in the TCG and is also um, the uh, Global Semiconductor Alliance, GSA. They've just initiated, you know, a group they call uh, TIES, TIES, to get together the manufacturers, the, the component builders and system builders, you know, so that they understand that there is this continuity of information about the composition. So, so that's one layer, right? And so uh, another layer is you need to be able to report what is the safe state that your component is intended to be in. So if I was, you know, selling a particular, you know, sell, I was selling a, a NIC card, you know, a network card, and it's got a driver, right? And so... Uh, in my design, in my lab, in my you know manufacturing site, you know my my hardware, my NIC card, you know, is allowed to be in three states, for example, four states, uh, and it's intended to use this this particular version of a firmware. Now, now imagine replicate that several hundred times for various components, right? So this this other you know sort of as uh, using Hank's you know words, you know, ephemeral. You know, this state needs to be reported when the machines are, you know, in operation. So the IT guy now is, is sitting there, you know, on his console. He's got, you know, a thousand, you know, network cards and, you know, devices. And he's got two things he needs to figure out. First of all, uh, the supply chain information, has it all been accounted for? So, you know, that every laptop, uh, every component uh, is of known origin. This is the provenance the, the transparent and trustworthy supply chain side of the information, right? So great. Uh, so we get that. And then, but then on the other level, this is where we say, well, the manufacturers must have the ability to provide endorsement. So we call these manufacturers in TCG the endorsers because by producing a product and a firmware uh, and you know a hash of the firmware and a hash of the different states, they can say, you know, we endorse our product so long as it's in these three states. If somebody has hacked into it, then we don't know, right? But that's another layer of information that needs to be, you know, collated and communicated to the IT guy. And so on the IT side, you need new types of uh, 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 technologies, what we call verifier, you know, attestation verifier systems on the IT side. So that, and that needs to be built into, you know, uh, you know, um, systems such as you know Active Directory and 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 you know other device management systems, so that at any one time, the IT guy for any device, he or she is able to know, you know, it's the the provenance of all the components in that device and all the possible states of all the components in that. And, device. and what are those verifier pieces? What do those look like exactly? Are those just services, or are they separate pieces of hardware, or what? What are or virtual hardware? I mean, what are they? So right now, the way the TCG looks at it is that this is going to be just a service that's you know a you know a, a, a software a service that's going to be at least initially be uh, operating inside the enterprise. So for all intents and purposes, today it's just an application software, right? That and and so TCG might down the road define some APIs, 
But right now, what what Hank and I and and you know people in DCG and also in the ITF are trying to do is to define just the formats for these attestation evidences, right? So when a device reports, you know, I'm a, a particular patch, a particular build. I mean, what is? Do we use JSON? Do you we use uh, some version of Seabor and so on? And 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 Hank can can probably you know dive into the specific types of format. But that's the first step, and then. Each of these would need to be digitally signed, of course. So this brings another aspect. So how do these, you know, manufacturers and vendors, how do they sign the hashes of the firmwares, right? These, you know, remember PKI, X509? <laughs> hey, it's back right. again, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Are there companies out there that are doing this or something like this that you can sort of go to school on as you look to generalize this capability for, you know, all kinds of different you know, industries and applications. I mean, I would think, you know, automotive or airline companies, you know, where there's a lot of attention to, you know, where they have very long supply chains. And obviously there's a lot of attention to the integrity of the hardware and software components that go into the finished product. Are, are they already doing something like this? Yes, some of them are. And the interesting criteria is whether or not the system is user modifiable. So, so for example, an automotive, you said, you know, cars and automotive, but that's a great example. I mean, the typical end user of a car is not going to be modifying the, the firmware in the electronics under the dashboard. I mean, there's some, some enthusiasts too, right? There's a whole little, you know, niche market, but generally... I mean, the, the digital equivalent of like low riders, basically, right? <laughs> that's right. And so in that sort of confined, you know, uh, in a type of marketplace, uh, Automotive manufacturers have a better grip on the problem, and and they can run. They, and they do have some very sort of early sort of stages of, of a, a verifier system that allows the, an onboarding check of all the firmwares that's running inside, you know, the dashboard, for example, right? And and I know some of the manufacturers want to be able to do this uh, SOTA. You know, this is software update over the air. Uh, SOTA is is one of the dreams of the. You know, automotive, you know, manufacturers because they'd like to be able to update these firmwares over, you know, satellite, over Wi-Fi, so that you know, mom and dad do not need to take the car into the garage just to do a firmware update, and that's on the roadmap somewhere. But uh, that's kind of you know the the sort of the area that is being addressed today because there's no user involvement, right? I mean, PC computers uh, difficult because you know you and I can you know add all sorts of applications to our machines, and that introduces just severe complexity. There is uh, there's, there are two domains that, I, that really springs to mind for me, where verifiers exist and are actively doing remote attestation today already. And um, the first domain that's very, very obvious, I think, maybe, is, is the switching and routing domain, where trustworthiness is today a weighing mechanism for routing and you have these trusted paths and networks and if the devices speak the same language then that works on a bigger scale which is even cooler maybe even i'm not i'm not saying this is already very cool um is that now you can see how cloud infrastructures like the basis for the global clouds that we use today have a very very stark interest for to provide confidentiality and to tell you, and I am actually confidential with your data, if you put it here like this, and I have this capability, then I can't see this, and I am your host. So, so that's, that's a very important statement. That's, of course, 
um, uh, not always so super cool when you think about lawful intercept and legitimate interests, which have to be balanced, of course. And that is always a conundrum, how to create solutions that allow for lawful intercept and also, well, not the misuse of it. Because if you build a machine and bring it into place and it's there, it will be misused. It will be used in a way that's not intended to be used for. Be certain of that and make sure that you think ahead. So that is, of course, a mandate of the trusted computing group by itself to think ahead, to, to, to be a little bit pessimistic sometimes, to, to see the misuse scenarios and that, and then bake in, um, uh, uh, thresholds that, that, that at least make it harder. I mean, make it impossible would be a, a very, very unbelievable and not trustworthy claim from coming from me, but, but at least make it real hard to 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 lie about that and that is uh, i think in cloud uh, infrastructure is done today so they 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 use dice uh, uh, because the the where's my virtual host it's migrating all the time through the physical host so so how would a tpm work now Aha, that's that's one of the reasons why dice exists because uh, uh, the the actual virtual a thing it might move be moving through physical things and you have to compose these identifiers uh, which is apparently a thing of dice and so so yeah i think we are, we are, we are, this is this is really coming like a plan comes together like like an a-team from, from way back i was a big fan of us who's, who's mr t yeah, I, I like when a plan comes together and you can see it now really really co 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 converging Right, so that's a conversion point, a new one, and the EO is really pushing these things together, and not in a forceful way that make them collide, but that make them uh, require to interrupt. Leave it to the German guy to name drop the A team on the uh, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I was also <laughs> Hank. So we we have that in common. Um, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so, you know, final question, always, you know, trusting computing group, it's the challenges, of course, developing the standards, the technology, in some cases, the hardware, and then the, the other big challenges to evangelize it and actually get developers of, of things, devices and, and applications to implement and use the technology. So um, if developers are listening to this podcast, as they almost certainly are, whether those are thing makers or application developers, um, how can they kind of get up to speed on the work that this attestation group is doing? And when might this technology be available for them to uh, use or implement in whatever it is that they're creating? Definitely the, the specifications produced by the TCG and the ITF are actually publicly you know, readable. Uh, and there are already uh, a number of organizations that have, you know, developer groups. So, so let me mention one, which is the CCC, which is the uh, Confidential Computing Consortium. Uh, and they're using technology coming out of the TCG, the ITF, and so on. And they, they have developer groups that are uh, trying to, you know, start using some of the tools and the libraries and the SDKs to do things like, you know, attestation, right? And so it's, it, is, it is happening. Uh, and it's accelerating, and it's it's great to see this. As as, as Hank was saying, it's great to see uh, you know when a plan gets together. Uh, and so yeah, you know um, we we are uh, available. Hank and myself, certainly myself. Uh, if any developers are listening to this podcast, to reach out or just you know reach out to the you know TCG and ITF communities. The TCG website you know has you know default them. Um, contact email addresses and, and they're very, ha very happy to, you know, to uh, help, uh, you know, people who are interested. And also the TCG now and again has hackathons. So hackathons are very 
useful venues for developers to understand what's happening and also to try out coding, you know, using SDKs, using uh, specific types of, you know, hardware. Hackathons, which is really the term of the century, I think, sometimes, um, they uh, the pandemic makes them harder. So we, we just had one for the IETF here and, and it's getting harder. The, 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 the online remote fatigue sets in. But still, if we wouldn't have those established already and just would be planning this, um, I don't know how the productivity levels were but here, the open source community. So this is really working out. Open source, as, as, um, and, and I'm speaking as a German guy, so we, it's, it's like in the, in the, in the, in the nature here to, to think about the altruism of the, of the product. And really, we have the Chaos Computer Club that might be a, a name dropping here that, that rings a bell. Yeah, CCC. Uh, the other yeah. CCC, yeah. exactly. The other CCC. And uh, so we were first. <laughs> and uh, the open source community, we have, we have uh, the TCG creates uh, their, um, their libraries, their, 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 their trusted software stack, uh, open source on GitHub. It's all there. It's free to download, feel free. You have to buy a TPM or get, get a uh, the virtual complement that runs in a trusted execution environment, and then you can start. It is, it is sometimes the entry level is the learning curve is not as, as we want it to be, because this technology is sometimes not simple. It's just a lot of old requirements, and they make all make sense, but the, the accumulation of requirements sometimes is overwhelming to the newcomer. So we have to learn and we want also the feedback, like, why is this so complicated? So we, we had a system API, then we had enhanced system API with convenience features. And now we have a feature API that uses JSON uh, structures all over the place to, to simplify people to build in their policy, to build in their configuration state and the, the interaction. So this is getting easier by the day. And, and uh, we really, really uh, go into the public with this. And, and then, uh, like, like Thomas highlighted, the other CCC, the Confidential Computing Consortium, takes these building blocks up. And, they, and every vendor brings like Open Enclave or Opti and, and developer environments to, to, that brings these remote attestation features today. And so, uh, and, and they're not only today, they're there for quite some while, but they were not so prominently visible. And visibility is that transparency that was stated in the first uh, paragraph of the order, of the executive order, that says we want to have this trustworthiness and this uh, transparency so we can have trust in that. And open source, I think, is one big step, one big building block towards transparency, apparently. And just like that, Hank, Hank brings it back, back around to the executive order and just puts a very nice ribbon on this entire conversation. Thomas, Hank, thank you both so much for coming on and speaking to us on the Security Ledger podcast. Pleasure. Thank you, Paul. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Hank Burkholz is a researcher at the Fraunhofer Institute for Secure Information Technology in Germany and co-chair of the Attestation Working Group at the Trusted Computing Group. Thomas Harjona is the CTO of Connection Science and Technical Director of the MIT Trust Data Consortium, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and an invited expert at the Trusted Computing Group. You've been listening to the Security Ledger podcast. This episode of the podcast has been sponsored by the Trusted Computing Group. Through open standards and specifications, Trusted Computing Group enabled secure computing. Through its member-driven workgroups, Trusted Computing Group enables the benefits of trust in computing devices from mobile to embedded systems, as well as networks, storage, infrastructure, and cloud security. 
More than a billion devices include TCG Technologies. Check them out at trustedcomputinggroup.org.